Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Good evening, Razorback fans. We want to welcome you to the one, the only Hog Talk Podcast. We are part of the Believe and Buzz Radio Network, where you can hear us on all podcast platforms, as well as Buzz 2106.7 in Central Arkansas. So please like, rate, and review our podcast. I am your host, Porter Hayes of Sports and Culture Arkansas, alongside of me is Jacob Davis from Arkansas Fight. All live shows are presented by Arkansas Brewing Company in downtown Ozark, Arkansas, as well as Bet Online, which remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season, everything from NFL and bowl season to esports. You'll find the latest odds, team matchup info, players, news, and game trends at Bet Online. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. So head on over to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit, and make sure to use the promo code BLEAV to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. And with that, we will go to the Camelot Exteriors Hotline and welcome in Aaron Torres from the Aaron Torres Podcast, Fox Sports Radio. You can hear him all across uh, Arkansas radio airwaves he's he's on the must bus so uh, Aaron thank you for uh, taking the time to uh, join us Porter quick correction I think I invented the must bus I'm not gonna lie um, I didn't really but I've known coach must dating back to the Nevada days when the must bus had a had a dark blue hue more than a, a hog red but I, I fought you know I followed his journey um, I've obviously followed you know college athletics forever and I know we got a lot to discuss, but uh, but no, I, I continue to be. I know we're we're coming off we're 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 coming on today, coming off of a loss. Uh, but I continue to be amazed by what he's done with that program, and uh, continue to just be blown away by by what he's done with Arkansas basketball in general. Uh, and didn't you uh, invent a big pig invasion or something along that? I that did sp- for yeah, sure. Yeah, we'd seen that yeah. before floating around somewhere else, but I can't remember where that was. But. Everybody's yeah, everyone's <laughs> trying to steal all my stuff now. You know, no, I can't. You know, I can't take. I actually can't take credit for the must bus. I'm pretty sure Coach Must actually invented the must bus, but I was on it early. Uh, I actually, I think it was over the summer. I was cleaning up my my you know my uh, closet in the back here, and I found a. Nevada Wolfpack must bust shirt. And so I tweeted it out uh, just, just to let the record show. I'm not some bandwagon jumper. There you go. I've, I've been there from the beginning. Um, and then, yeah, the big pig invasion awesome. was definitely me. Um, and then, yes, other, other um, places and outlets have, have tried to take it. Uh, and, you know, uh, much like, uh, you know, uh, uh, I don't even know. I can't think of a quick analogy here off the top of my head. But, you know, like, uh, you know, like Jordan Walsh fighting for a loose ball. I'm not giving that thing up anytime soon. So so that's all there really is <laughs> to right, it. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we'll get back to the business of the Auburn game. I mean, I mean, just because, I mean, Arkansas was ranked in the top ten. They had, you know, coming on that losing streak. I mean, you can really see now coming into the league play just how important a player like Nick Smith Jr. is and losing a player like Trevor Brazil. Yeah. And, and but also at the same sense, name name another team that could lose two of their top players and still be considered a, a top program in the nation. 
It's unbelievable. No, and it, it speaks to guys, and I'm sure it's something you guys talked about a lot in the spring. I know I was asked about it a lot. Was you know was Coach Musk quote unquote over recruiting? You know, 13 scholarship players. We all remember last spring, Jalen Williams, is he going to come back? Is he going to stay in the draft? Whatever. But then you start to see, you know, not only a, whatever it was, five, six-man high school recruiting class, but, you know, that that two, three-week stretch where it seemed like every day Arkansas was adding a guy through the portal. And everybody kept saying to me, how, you know, how do you balance all of that? And I think the one thing that we learn in sports time and time again, it's not just college basketball. It's not just basketball in general. You just never have too many bodies, you know, and 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 so it all kind of works itself out. Um, and I think probably, frankly, to the credit of some of these Arkansas kids, you know, I think some of the kid, the guys that weren't really even expecting to have a role are now being thrown into the fire. Joseph Pinion, obviously, the other night against Missouri was awesome. Um, I always get the Mitchell twins confused, so forgive me. Fifteen, Same. I think it's Makai Mitchell. I think has been playing pretty yeah. well over the last three or four games. You know, really since the Trevin Brazil injury. So I just bring it all up to, to very simply say is that, you know, this is something that I know Hog fans were, you know, not really worried about in the springtime, but it was a conversation that I know everybody was having. And unfortunately, this is why you do it, because you just never know what's going to happen. And despite it all, the Hogs, even with the loss on Saturday, are in really good shape. And, and we saw, you know, a lot of the issues that we were worried about, you know, Musselman even said uh, in the uh, summer that this is not going to be a good three point shooting team. And we've seen it rear its ugly head many, many a times. Uh, and, and then you didn't think about free throw shooting because Musselman teams have generally been very good at free throw shooting. How do you correct that? Is it getting up the shots, extra shots in the gym or, or, or what is it? Well, three-point shooting, you know, to me, Jacob, it, it is a little bit different. And I, I think, honestly, foul shooting is just mental, right? I mean, it's just – I hate to say it, but, yeah. you know, you see certain teams that it's just like once one guy starts missing, another guy starts missing. And I know it's a, yeah. a, a program that everybody likes to poke at right now, but, you know, I was watching Kentucky the other night. And, and forget what happened to Alabama on Saturday. Against LSU, they largely couldn't put them away because – 70% foul shooters were just missing free throws. So the the, the free throw stuff, I, I, maybe there's an, a better answer, Jacob, that I could give you. I wish there was. I just don't know that it's anything other than mental, and it's nothing other than hopefully with repetition and with game experience and over time, you kind of work your way through it. Now, three-point shooting, as you said, Coach Muss has said from the beginning, you know, that probably wouldn't be an area of strength for this team. And you just kind of hope that, you know, like any, like any weakness, every team's got some weakness. Um, you know, you hope it doesn't come back to bite you when it matters most. And and the one thing I would obviously say about this team is, not surprisingly, they, they attack the basket. They get to the line a lot, um, to, to your point, Jacob. They defend their butts off. They rebound pretty well. So they do the things to mitigate not being a, a great three-point shooting team. But like I said, everybody's got some weakness, and it's incredible as the season goes on, you know, as there's more film, more scouting reports, more whatever, teams try to expose that. And when it comes to the free throw shooting, it's conditioning. You know, you're not you're not playing a lot of guys a lot of, you know, you're not going deep in your bench. That has a lot to do with when it comes to the free throw shooting. You got one, three guys over 30 minutes, and then four over 20 minutes of your game. But to the casual fan, I always see this, and this cracks me up because it's like, well, they're they're shooting free throws. You got to you're nobody guarding you. Well, you go go run you some double red lines or some suicides, yep. and then stand at that free throw line, 
with with your hands on your knees and then try to f- shoot a free throw. It, it's not like you're walking into a gym and shooting. But eighteen thousand people uh, it, watching you, by the way, watching exactly. your every move. Oh yeah. So and it, it that comes a lot with it, and that's where you're you're talking about the give or take. You don't have really that three point shooting. I mean, they were one for six in the first half and one for ten in the second half. So you got to get better at free throw shooting if you're going to not shoot the threes. You're going to have to live and die on getting to the rim and making the free throws. Or you're going to have these games seven two fifty nine because you look at Auburn, they were seventeen for twenty two at the free throw line. That's the difference in a ball game, and this is January. When it comes to February and March, you know when you're having plus minus, you're minus thirteen as a team. That, that's not going to get you anywhere in the SEC or the SEC tournament or the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and just in general, you know, just looking, I mean, they are a seventy percent free throw shooting team on the year, and then it just comes down to. Are they getting to the line enough? And again, you would think with a Anthony Black, with a Ricky Council, with the way that Jordan Walsh rebounds, with the way that um, you know Makai Mitchell rebounds, you would think that they would get there a little bit more. Um, and so I, I know it was a frustrating kind of um, you know stat that came out of the Auburn game, but you know I I don't know. I mean, it's just it's a weird deal because, it, like I said, seventy percent free throw shooting team. And, you know, shoot 59% the other night. You know, you do attempt 32, 32 uh, foul shots, excuse me. Um, you know, you just – I don't know. It, it's a weird deal, like I said. And I do think it becomes mental at some point. And I do um, – you know, it's one of those – like I, I always kind of sense that teams will work themselves out of it. But to your point, Porter, sometimes it isn't always that simple. So we'll see. The good thing is, I'll tell you, man, you know, we'll, we'll start to figure out really quick, you know, what was was Saturday a one-off uh, or not, obviously with Bama, Missouri, and a couple other pretty big games here coming up soon. Yeah, and Arkansas, they lost a couple of games. I go back to the Moses Moody year. And I can't remember what team Arkansas was actually playing, but they was at home, and they missed a lot of layups. I mean, it was over and over and over again. I mean, whether it was just the bas- the ball just not falling through the basket, it was like a lid was on it. You know, they shot 7 of 22 in close-range jump shots. Like, those yes, are shots that usually yesterday go Yesterday or in the Yes, yesterday. Game. It was in the uh, – yesterday. The uh, I don't remember – it was it – was, during the Moses Moody year, it was, it was pretty close to that. But, you know, Arkansas is going to have to figure out ways to, to battle through this zone because that's what you're going to – See employed every single night. And and I don't know if I've seen an Arkansas team yet in these four years that have been this rattled defensively. Now a lot of that thing might, you know, come with the injuries too. Uh might be because of that. But you know, what do you think Arkansas has to do uh going into this Alabama game, you know, this coming Wednesday or Tuesday or Wednesday? What are they going to have to do to to stop Bama? And, and and do you think that Bama's length and athleticism will affect Arkansas? Well, what I would say about Bama specifically, and I, I did a deep dive. You know, I, I kind of did a deep dive on them a little bit before the Kentucky game, and and frankly, everything that that I saw on paper, and even you know just watching games, um, was confirmed. And I think everybody thinks of Alabama three point shooting, Nate Oates, whatever. They're top 15 in the country in rebounding. They're top 15 in the country in block shots. And and I know you guys know, but for the for the casual fan that maybe hasn't followed them closely, and they're top 15 in field goal percentage defense, and they've done it against probably the toughest schedule in college basketball. 
you know, they went out to Portland, played in that event. They played North Carolina, Michigan State, and UConn. And then they come home and they immediately play Houston, Memphis, and Gonzaga. Um, and so I think because the talent that they've played is so good, um, the numbers are even probably a little bit skewed, not in their favor. And so why, why I bring it up is because <laughs> I can tell you guys a, a, a fan base a little bit northeast of where you guys are uh, that wears blue is melting down right now. I just think that Alabama is a really good team, but they do it in a different way than I think that we expect Alabama to. And so I only bring it up because I think it's important to attack the rim. I think it's important uh, to keep them off the glass. And I think to the point that you guys just made, you got to make your foul shots. you got to attack because they're super athletic at the rim, top 15 in shot blocking. Auburn is too, by the way, so I should reference that. That game on Saturday was obviously at Auburn as opposed to uh, at Bud Walton. But I only, I only bring it up to say, you know, the best way to attack, you know, the best way to handle a shot blocker is to do what Arkansas did against Chet Holmgren last year in the NCAA tournament, and that's go right into his body. Well, Alabama's, I don't want to say they have a Chet Holmgren, but they have two or three guys that are pretty good around the rim. And so I think that to me is the key for that game. But again, Alabama's played a lot of good teams. Everybody knows that's the key, and most people haven't had success against them. So it'll be an interesting matchup, but that to me would be the key. you got to get to the foul line. You can't just have your shots blocked. And then to the point that you guys have both brought up, you got to make those foul shots. And, and also, let's be real. You know, everybody, it doesn't matter if they're 3-11 and 11 or 11-3. 11 when Kentucky comes to your place, you're giving them your best game. I mean, that's just that's what Kentucky, Kentucky and your, is the Alabama. Your fans are giving, yes, your fans the, are giving fans. the new best game, too. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you've got a Saturday game at 12. It's going to be a little bit different when a Wednesday at 6 p.m. on the road. It's just a little oh, bit yeah. different Agreed. when it comes to the atmosphere. Not saying that, the, you know, Arkansas is going to run away with it. But, I mean, Kevin McPherson made a stat. He said 2021, 21-22, and 22-23, they're back-to-back one and two in their first three games in the SEC. What yeah. happened the last two years? I mean, that is that is his M.O., and, and we know how college basketball is. Yes, you want to win your games. You want to finish in the top four in the SEC to get that double bye in the SEC tournament. Well, but- Porter, Porter, let me jump in really quick on that because I think it's an important point, and I think you of all people will appreciate this. Everybody knows I'm a UConn guy. I went to UConn. They looked much better in the out-of-conference than they have in-conference. You know, they're right now, I think, three and two, four and two in conference, but – one, conference play is a completely different thing. Um, everybody knows everybody else. Everybody knows their tendencies, their strengths, their weaknesses, their this, their that. Um, but two, on top of that, you don't want to peak too early either. And the one thing I, I actually have grown to really respect about Coach Muss, he's always tinkering, he's always tweaking, and his teams are always peaking in, in, in February, late February into March. And so, you know, one, I, I know you were you were this was the point you were making, Porter, but – I'm not worried about this team because obviously they've already taken two SEC losses. I mean, I'm not a fan. I don't, I'm not there every day living and breathing every single, every single play of the hog season. I get that. But I think it's an important point because I do think league play is different. And I do think this guy specifically has proven that his teams get better over time, that he's going to continue to tinker until he finds the group that works. Um, And I think the other thing, too, is also that when you talk about everything going on in college basketball right now, remember, Arkansas, I don't know if they're one of the quote-unquote youngest teams, but that group of guys specifically, 
I mean, 11 new players coming into the year, then two guys that you are really counting on are not available. Like, it's going to take time. And I'm not making excuses. I don't know if you need me to make excuses. I mean, Arkansas, you know, right now is 12-3, and 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 as we record is ranked in the top 15. I don't know where they'll be come Monday. So I'm not, quote-unquote, making excuses. But this is college basketball. This isn't college football where you have to be a finished product in week one or your season could be over under the current format. College basketball, you almost don't want to be the best version of yourself in week one because, again, I'm not saying UConn season is down the drain or anything, but they lost two games in a row. They haven't been great since league play. They look a, they looked a lot better and a lot more dominant on um, you know December 8th than they did January 8th or January 9th. And so I'm just bringing it up to say, I didn't mean to cut you off, but you having a little background in Connecticut and UConn, I know you would probably have an appreciation for that, is – you know, it's league play. It's always going to be tougher. True road environments. We saw what Auburn Arena was like the other night. We saw what the PMAC was like a few few nights before that. Um, but then, too, like I said, this specific group of guys with 11 newcomers, and on top of that, two guys that you were planning on having at your disposal aren't there. It's just going to take a little bit of time. And then to your point, to the stat that Kevin McPherson brought up, this is a program that historically hasn't necessarily been great the first what third of sec play but that second third and that third third is a completely different story yeah when it comes to seeding i mean you you, you want to kind of do the best you can to you know win your home games then get half of your away games because when you look at the seeding they go that's the stat in the in the line last 10 games how did they finish the season how did they do you know and in arkansas always ends up picking it up you know under musselman and they go seven and three or eight and two in their final 10 games get a good seed, get that top four seed in the SEC tournament, it bodes well for them. And that's I think that's how he's kind of conditioned his team because Musselman's coached in every level possible. He yeah. knows, and he is a very smart person. And when you have the turnover you have with people going to the league and the G League and you're bringing in the transfer portal and you're doing the same thing over and over again, you, you can't do nothing but trust him. And it, it's what we say. Yeah, you can be frustrated, but until he proves otherwise, you got to trust the man because look, look what he's done the past two years. Well, and keep in mind, too, you know, 2020, there was no NCAA tournament. Um, I think if, one, if Isaiah Joe was healthy, Arkansas would have been an NCAA tournament team. We'll never know. Uh, but they were on the bubble. 2019, they were a top-10 team all year. And then 2018 – they made the Sweet 16 at Nevada. And I know Arkansas fans don't care about what happened in Nevada, but it's worth noting, right? Of the last four NCAA tournaments that have been played, Eric Musselman's team has been in the second weekend, three of them. The fourth one, he had a team that was in the top 10 for most of the year. And I, I forget what seed they finished with, a six or a seven seed. They actually ended up losing to Florida and Mike White, but that's mm-hmm. neither here nor there. The, the point I'm trying to make is it's, it's just confirming what you say, Porter, is even to go back pre um, Arkansas, this is a guy that has his team ready in March. So it's it's the same point over and over. I don't mean to keep belaboring it, but I think it's an important one. Yeah, and uh, I've got it pulled up. I actually mentioned it last night. Uh, Muss is 10-7 and seven during the month of January, the last two seasons. In the months of February and March, he's 16-2. and two. Whoa! In SEC play, obviously? Yeah. yeah. In SEC play. That's crazy. Yeah. In February and March, he's 16-2? and two? Yes. So the only the losses are in seasons. the SEC tournament? Mm-hmm. Or, no, that's uh, – Regular season? 
No, there was regular season. Uh, one of them was yeah. in Tennessee last year yeah. that I remember off the top of my head. That's when they got drunk. And uh, there, there was there was a couple other ones. I, I just can't remember who it was, but I do remember it was Tennessee on the road last year was gotcha. one of those losses. So Still, that's incredible. And like you guys said and, and Porter said, you know, you're playing half your games on the road. You, you just don't want to lose all of them. 16-2, and two, wow, in the last two years in February and March. Okay, that's good to know. But it speaks to he figures he figures it out. I mean, it, it is a, a five, six-month season. Again, it's not college football. You don't have to be the best yeah. version of yourself in week one. Um, and he always figures it out. That other one was a one-point loss to Alabama at Alabama. That's right. That's what it was, yeah. Last season, yeah. So, I mean, that was J.D. Note. He, was, two, he missed a three to go ahead. Your, your two losses are to Tennessee and um, what, what was the other one we said? Alabama, Alabama on the road. So, I mean, that's on the road. on the road. So, yeah, he, I think he'd say. But also what I want to get to is what we're facing this year, and that's the just the elephant in the room with Nick Smith Jr. Uh, how much do you think with, with the, you know, hey, he's not playing, now he's into the January. There's not really a set thing on when he's coming back or what he's going to do if he does get back. How much do you think that's going to affect the team? How much of the distraction do you think that could become if, you know, we're sitting here at 12-3, and three, but there's been more talk about a guy who's not really playing opposed to what's going on on the court? Well, you know, so let me ask you guys. I, I saw something in passing. He's officially out for the next – until the end of January at least. Is that official? Like that's no – like he's – That's I what Musselman has said. Okay, okay. So, I mean – I would think, and I don't know, that I would hope that they're not getting asked about that every single day because there is no answer to that uh, for the players on the roster. Uh, but I think, to your point, Porter, I think it is a distraction, right? I think it's somewhat of a distraction. Um, and then I think there's also the other factor, too, is if at some point he does come back, and, and I don't know if it's fair to really realistically expect that, but it, but if he does come back, then you have to reintegrate him with the guys that have been playing without him. So, it's going to be a really interesting scenario. I mean, one, I hope he plays not not only for like the college basketball, it'd be great for the sport, be great for Arkansas. I just want to know that he's healthy and I want him to put his best foot forward so he can prepare for an NBA future as well. I don't want him to have to go into the NBA draft process without anybody having seen him since December and questioning any issues with with an injury or with a knee or whatever. Um, but I do think, you know, there, there'd be a lot of issues if, if he were to come back. But I also think they're good issues to have when you're adding um, a potential top five pick, a potential All-American type player in Nick Smith Jr. So it's been a wild thing. And, yeah, I just I, – I, like I said, I hope selfishly he comes back. And when I say selfish, I don't mean for my viewing consumption. I just mean so that we know that he's healthy and that we can see the best version of him – uh, before he goes to the NBA, and like I said, so he doesn't have to answer tough questions about why he hasn't played and all that stuff in the NBA draft process. And real quick, just for the Arkansas fans in general, you don't want another what if. I mean, there's been so sure. many what ifs when it comes to Arkansas sports. And, you know, if they say they get to the Final Four, well, what if we had had Nick Smith Jr.? Sure. Would we have won that national championship? And that just seems like that's that black cloud that – always looms over Razorback fans is there's always something that has kept them from winning a basketball, football, or baseball title. And we all know the baseball, but it's just – I think that's part of it. If they do make an Elite Eight or make a Final Four, 
and he does not play, it's just going to be one of those questions, no matter what, that's always going to be asked and, and talked about years to come. I think that's fair, yeah. You guys would know about the Arkansas what-ifs better than I do. I know the baseball reference that yeah. you're making, Porter. I won't oh, yeah. bring it up. No. Uh, but, no, I know what you're saying, man. I, I, I just hope he's back. And, and I think it's a good point, right? You hope you're back because it's the it's the essence of sports is that you want to put your best foot forward, and if you lose, you want to know that you lost with all the – to use a bad cliche, and I hope nobody's offended, whatever. But, like, you know, you want to make sure all the, the guns are in the holster, all the bullets are in the holster, whatever the term is. Um so, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. That That's what sports is. If you lose to a better team, you know, I think an Arkansas fan could come out of, say, the Elite Eight last year against Duke, really disappointed, but also saying we gave it everything we had and that was just a better team on that night. Um, and obviously we're not getting Tre- Trevin Brazil back, but you would hope that if Nick Smith is available, that he plays that way you kind of have that closure one way or the other, and hopefully it's a positive, yeah. Yeah, and you mentioned Jeff Goodman's tweet uh, just before that. He's, he said, you know, he'll miss the remainder of January while rehabbing his right knee in Los Angeles. For those saying he isn't coming back, I've been told by a source close to the situation, the plan is for Smith to return in February as long as he's 100%. So, and I, we'll it, see. It's weird, I, that comment, but that ending comment leaves the door open for you, you, you know, it, it it's almost like, yeah, the plan is this, but there's also that backdoor comment yeah. of if he's healthy. Well, what's healthy? What's healthy to them or the doctors or is it the U of A? So it's almost like you're giving us hope, and then you, but if he stays healthy. So, I mean, I, you, you could take that whole comment for whatever it's worth. And, I mean, there's just, I don't know, there's there's a yeah. lot, of, lot of things to be read from that. Yeah, I mean – I mean, yeah, I don't know. I'd have to look and see what – what did he say? What was the exact quote? Let me see right now real quick. I'm going to pull it up while we're talking here. Junior, return is February as long as he's 100% healthy. The one thing I would say really quick is I know there's the casual fan that sits there and says whenever a guy opts out, or not, not ops out, I take that back. Whenever a guy is kind of out for an extended period of time with an injury, they never end up coming back, right? Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State this year, Nick Bosa in a previous year. I do think it's different with Nick Smith Jr. being from the state of Arkansas. I like I like I'll just put the put it this way. I think he wants to come back. I think he wants to play. I don't think this is one of those where he's looking for an excuse not to play. And I hate to say that, but in 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 the modern college sports world that we live in. I do think there is some of that, um, you know, anytime a situation like this happens. I don't get the sense that Nick Smith isn't a competitor, that he doesn't want to play. I just think it's a, it's a some sort of knee issue that isn't going away. And ultimately, both the player, the parents, the family, the inside circle, plus Arkansas basketball has to protect them. So, I, you know, I, I don't get the sense that it's one of those kind of deals, like a Jackson Smith and Jigba. But I do think it's it, it, it like you said the, the phrasing was interesting. Yeah, and, and we we have to think about those things too because that that's where everybody is like, well, he's he's injured and this and that, and that this could be a legitimate case. But it's like in the back of our head with what we've seen with football and basketball and opt outs, and you know we're going to go get ready for the draft or we're going to play. Uh, I can't remember who it was. Uh, 
played a ha- played a semester and then left the school and got ready for the NBA draft. I mean, that's just what we're looking at. When, and plus with the NIL, it's like that's a whole nother deal of these kids are getting this money. Well, you're not getting that money if you're not on campus or you're not in that for the school. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just another element of you have to think and you have to ask that question is because of what he's got going on with his NIL deals. Is that part of the reason why he's – sticking around because he's still got to honor those contracts. I mean, you, you just have to ask those questions because in the day and age we're in, that's something you have to think about. Yeah. There, I mean, there's, there's a lot of elements to, to it. Um, and I think, you know, this is the set, like what I would just say really quick, this is like the sad part of college sports in 2023 that nobody wants to talk about is there's a lot of adults in a kid's ear trying to, influence them one way or the other. And very rarely is it just the player wanting to play, but you know, I'll just, I'll give you an example that isn't Nick Smith. Um, but like Jackson Smith and Jigba. So he says he's not healthy enough for the college football playoff game. By the way, Marvin Harrison gets a concussion. They probably could have used the first round wide receiver with him, but he's been out since basically week one with a hamstring injury. Um, and the second that he announces that he is not playing in the, the postseason for Ohio State, he concurrently announces that he is that he will be a full participant at the NFL Combine in late February. So I only bring it up to say, so you're not healthy enough to play in early January, but by mid to late February, you're 100%. I have no inside information into his camp, his circle, his this, his that. That sounds suspicious to me, okay? And that's just what I speak to when I say that I'm guessing there's an agent, there's a parent, there's a this, there's a that saying, you shouldn't play for Ohio State ever again. There's nothing for you to gain from this. I don't know if that, and I don't think that's what's going on with Nick Smith. And that goes back to the last comment that I made a minute ago of, I get the sense that he really wants to play and physically he's either not healthy or he could re-injure himself or he's not going to put his best foot forward. And I do think probably that makes sense that the people around him are going to say, if you're going to come back, we want to make sure you're hundred percent. So I, like I said, I may be completely naive and completely wrong on this one, but I get the sense that this is not one where he is looking for a way to not play. I think he's probably looking for a way to play. But again, when you have that much on the line, when you have a 15 year NBA career that could net you hundreds of millions of dollars, you do have to proceed with caution. I suspect that has a lot to do with it. Yeah, and uh, before we let you go, um, you know, tell people where you can find your content, your podcast. Uh, of course, you're on weekly radio at ESPN Arkansas with Phil and the guys. So that's right. So just tell yeah, I don't know if they're going. a competitor, you guys, but uh, assuming no. they're not. Um, no, so I um I host the Aaron, so so uh, best place to kind of get everything is uh, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter T O R R E S, um and um and yeah so I uh, I host uh, podcast three times a week lot mostly all college sports you know you know I might comment on an NFL story here or there but mostly college sports recapping what happened you know last couple days whatever um, Aaron underscore Torres the Aaron Torres podcast. I host on Fox Sports Radio on the weekends. Um, and, yeah, that's probably the best place to find me. We do have a, a 
Arkansas-specific Twitter page, Torres on the Hogs. I encourage you to follow that. We have a kid named Grayson. He's an Arkansas student who's running it right now. He's an intern. He's unbelievable. He's at all the games. When he's not at the games, he's tweeting about the games. He knows more about our – he's tweeting about Arkansas stuff that I don't even know is going on. He does an unbelievable job. So Torres on the Hogs, if if I'm too much to follow or I'm obnoxious or you don't like me – the Torres on the Hogs is all Arkansas all the time. And, uh, yeah, my media company has, I think, now 11 team-specific pages. The Arkansas page is very much thriving, though, so I appreciate uh, the plug there because, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I've enjoyed kind of uh, getting to know the Arkansas community a little bit, really, really over the last couple of years since Coach Muss has gotten there. So. Have you been able to come to a game? Have you been to a game in Bubble? I've been getting peer pressured for years to get to Fayetteville. The problem is, is that I um I host radio on the weekends, and so it's always like, even at you know like you know how it is, is that game times are unofficial and da 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 da, and so I could travel down, but what if they make it a night game and blah 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 and this and that. So I I honestly I've never been to Bud Walton. I've never been to um, Razorback Stadium. I'm not going to lie, I, I'm slowly immersing myself into college baseball, and I want to be part of the hog pen uh, out there in the outfield. Like, I think I honestly would be more excited to come to an Arkansas baseball game than I would be a basketball or football game, and that's no knock on basketball or football. <laughs> those baseball games just look like yeah. a lot of fun, and I know nothing about college baseball Um but those baseball games look like a lot of fun. So I've never been to a game in Fayetteville. I know I have to get there. I've been peer pressured. If I had known the Alabama game was the middle of the week, that might have made things a little bit easier. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of, um, I think they call it cyberbullying. There's a lot of cyberbullying to try to get me down for the Kentucky game on the final <laughs> yeah. weekend of the season. There you go. So, uh, yeah, I, I get a lot of mean messages Threatening. Usually, they usually you get messages threatening you if 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 you show up here, there's going to be a problem. I'm getting the opposite. I'm getting the message of if you don't show up here, there's going to be a problem. So I'm hoping to get down for the Kentucky game. I think it's what the first second weekend in March before the SEC tournament, but nothing is quite official yet. So and that's one of them games. If it's a six o'clock at night, uh, tip off the the students are lining up at eight a.m. waiting on the Kentucky bus to come through the tunnel and, and oh, yeah. say nice things. You know, nice competitive and 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 clean things to Coach Cal and his team. But Aaron, we'll let's well, go, go ahead. The way the way Kentucky's playing. I mean, that might be like the least significant game of, of the entire hog season. I oh, mean, no. you know, it might be uh, a battle of, uh, you know, Arkansas trying to clinch the one seed and, and Kentucky trying to avoid the double buy or whatever. You know, I mean, they might be playing, uh, you know, to, to stay out of that 9-10 game or whatever in, at the SEC tournament. So yeah. we'll see with the way they're playing. All right, well, yeah, let's go on that, March. Man. Yep, sorry. Oh, you're it's, good. Go uh, ahead. Arkansas, Kentucky, Bud Walton Arena, March 4th at 1 o'clock. There you go. <laughs> well, the Hogs so far have lived up to their end of the bargain. We'll see if the Wildcats do by the end of the year. <laughs> well, it don't matter. You know it's always going to be a tough game. I mean, Kentucky, like I said, it's that game that everybody gives their best to and the fans show up. So It's true. But anyways, man, we're going to definitely have you on again. Appreciate your time. Um, and uh, just stay safe out there, and we'll have you on again. All right, fellas. Well, I appreciate your time, and thank you for having me. And uh, we'll talk soon, guys. Thank you. Yep. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks. Well, that was Aaron Torres of Fox Sports Radio and the Aaron Torres podcast. Uh, after the break, we'll come back. We'll recap what he said and and keep the conversation going. Keep the comments coming. Keep the live feed going. If you have any questions or comments, drop them below. We'll be right back after the break. 
Do you need those pesky stumps ground before the winter? Your pasture brush hogged or need your driveway bladed? Here at Grindit Ride Outdoor Services, we offer more than just stump grinding. We have recently expanded our business to include tractor work as well. So along with stump grinding, we offer bush hogging, land clearing, grading driveways, placing, and even spreading gravel. We are locally owned and operated, so call Danny today for a free quote at 205-377-2662 or 479-530-1641. Again, that is 205-377-2662 or 479-530-1641. Shelby Taylor Trucking serves all your timberland needs in South Central Arkansas. With over 50 years in the industry, Shelby Taylor Trucking has established themselves as trustworthy leaders in the industry. From planting to harvesting to hauling your timber, Shelby Taylor Trucking is ready to serve you. Follow them on all social media platforms at Shelby Taylor Trucking. Learn more by visiting their website at staylortrucking.com. That's staylortrucking.com. Camelot Exteriors specializes in identifying hail, wind, and other storm damage, as well as residential and commercial roof installations and re-roofing. We use the, only the highest quality materials from certified suppliers while putting a lifetime labor warranty on all of our roofs. Our mission is to provide our customers with the highest quality roofing project customized to fit each one of their needs and to provide exceptional service through the entire process. Camelot Exteriors is based in Norman, Oklahoma, but we proudly currently serve nine other states as a premier nationwide roofing company. So call us today at 833-799-7663 for your free estimate. Camelot Exteriors, your storm damage restoration experts. McCoy Tiger Drug Store of Sheridan, Arkansas has been the top pharmacy in all of South Central Arkansas since 1895. They were also the 2020 Good Neighbor Pharmacy of the Year. They not only fix you up with your prescription with timely and friendly service, but also an elite gift shop. All your OTC needs, baby and wedding registries, tuxedo rentals, and much more. They are located at 821 North Rock Street in Sheridan. Give them a call today at 870-942-5121. And we want to welcome you back to the Hog Talk podcast. And again, thank you to Aaron Torres for coming on. We want to chime in and let you know about Arkansas Brewing Company at 201 South 1st Street in Ozark, Arkansas. You can call them at 479-667-2739. Always having drink specials, dinner specials. They're always having bands and and karaoke nights. So if you're ever down in Ozark, Arkansas, go to Arkansas Brewing Company and have yourself a good drink and have some good food up. Jacob, that was a really good conversation with him. I mean, talking about somebody who has uh, become a really good fan of of Muss in in Arkansas and and, and to really see what this fan base is all about. It's really good between, like, him and Josh Pate. People like that, that four or five years ago, we wouldn't have got that national attention. Now, you look at the sports, you look at what's going on, all these national – it's almost like recruits. You get them on campus, you're hooked. And with him and Josh, it's been yeah. that way of you get them in the fan base and you get them intertwined, they're hooked for life. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like, people – I've never seen anybody that just wasn't a fan of Arkansas then gets to a game, interacts with the fans, 
and and sees the game on the field, sees the passion and stuff that that goes along with the college football in Fayetteville and college basketball in Fayetteville, like it just hooks you. It makes you want to go back. I think of the times inside Bud Walton Arena, the hair standing on the back of my neck, up and down my arms, like the the chills of Daniel Gafford, watching him tomahawk one against uh, Florida and, and Missouri at home a few years ago, like seeing Daryl Macon do his thing and, and seeing the Hogs have such success at Bud Walton. There's nothing like it. And, and you know, that's – and once you once you are in that and you smell it and you and you feel it, it's a whole lot different. You become a fan for life, and, and it's what Josh Pate's done. I mean, he came to Fayetteville, and that's one of the places he he wanted to come to first. And on his little road show this past uh, past year uh, on the uh, for football is the uh, I don't remember what it was called every given Saturday tour or something like that. And he picked Arkansas Cincinnati to come to. He came away just impressed by the the fans, the facilities, the the interactions with stuff, and you know it's it's a when you don't know about it and you finally come, you're hooked, you know, and that's that's the crazy thing about Arkansas Razorback athletics. Yeah, and like with this year's basketball team, I mean, there's just so much hype with the freshman class coming. Yeah, in. and that, that I guess that's what's like I, I was mentioning with. Aaron was just the whole what if. And, and, you know, we had so much promise, and here we go again. And I think that's the biggest factor when it comes to this situation with Nick Smith Jr. is just you see, you know, Ricky Council's averaging 18 points, Anthony Black's averaging 12. I mean, Nick Smith Jr. in four games was averaging 12.8. I mean, that's not even being a consistent. He was averaging yeah. 12 and then Trevin Brazil was averaging 11. So you're taking, I mean, just by those stats right there, you're taking 22, 23.6 points per game out of your lineup. Yeah. And now you're trying to. And you're having to find that production exactly. somewhere. And I'll tell you what, I want, I do. I want to give a big shout out to Joseph Pinion. Out, coming out of Moralton, I thought it would take him longer than any of the freshmen to really get going, to click, and, and to get into this offense. But what he's done defensively, what he's been able to do, I mean, 6 for 16, he's shooting 37% from the three-point line. I mean, he, he what he's done with his time on the court has been very impressive. I mean, and so I think someone like him, and you give him another month or two to grow in this system, he's going he's gonna to jump. I mean, he's over only averaging three points a game right now, but he could be one of the people that can give you seven, eight, nine points a game and, and be one of those guys that go off for 25 points. I mean, then that's what you need. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing is like, we, we were so harsh. Like there's a lot of people that are so harsh about this game last night. I mean, I know Arkansas hit eight, only like 19 of the 32 free. So free throws they shot last night against Auburn. I know that they, they hit, they were shooting quality shots. Like the shots just weren't falling. Like, they uh, shot quality. If you don't follow them on Twitter, follow them. Uh, one of their tweets was Arkansas shot, like, really good shots, like high basketball IQ shots. They said if Arkansas had made the shots that they were supposed to at a higher clip, those, those good shots that they were taking, they would have won 80 to 72. 
Yeah. That's it's not like they were taking insane stupid shots. They were taking good quality shots. They had good high IQ shots. Like they couldn't get stuff to go at the rim. A lot of that had to do with with uh broom download. That guy had seven blocks last night. Like when you have a rim protector that good, it's hard even when you're an Ar- when you're Arkansas and you're a drive to the basket team. And, and all that to, to get baskets to fall and, and try to get to the free throw line. It's just hard. And Arkansas does need to do better as far as shooting free throws. I know I remember you know, there was there was a coach that I had, junior high and high school one, and I remember not hitting the amount of free throws that I needed to during a practice or, or something like that, and I had to run bleachers. And, I mean, if I had to run bleachers inside Bud Walton Arena, you'd be gassed. By the, I'm talking about a little two-way high school gym is what I, what I played in during high school. Like, it was just, it just, you know, they've got to figure out a way to get better at the line. And I think if they get better at the line, I mean, you had to do that on the road. You had to take advantage of those opportunities because I think they shot 50% of the line at LSU and almost just a little bit over 50% of the line at, uh, at Auburn. If you – Correct that just a little bit. You're winning games. Well, and, and you can't start off slow. I mean, we're, we're talking about no. we're we're talking about they shot, you know, as as a whole from the three fifty nine percent from the free throw line. They went eleven for fifteen in the yeah. second half. I mean, they were one, yep. you know, eight for seventeen in the first half. So I mean, these slow starts, and then you get in these holes when you're not shooting your shots and you're not getting the the quality shots that you got. Now you you go from one for six from three point line in the first half to now you're behind. Yep. You're trying to hit threes. Now you're shooting more threes. You're shooting more shots. That's not your game. You were one for ten. I mean, you. I mean, and no matter what, I mean, you can't go. They were eight for twenty four in the first half shooting. Eight for twenty four and eight for seventeen. Mm-hmm. That's not going to win you anywhere, I mean, and that's the thing. It's it's not like that. You know, they only had fourteen turnovers compared to you know, and Auburn only had eight. So I mean, it, it's the fact that right. Auburn wasn't turning the ball over. Arkansas was, but for fourteen turnovers, that's still not that bad when it comes to no, you know, a whole game and the way the game's played now. I mean, it just you know, there's more more possessions, so there's more chances to turn the ball over, but you look at the second half, they were still in 11 for 32. I mean, that's 34%. I mean, you, you got to, you got to get a little bit better than that. Like, so the whole for a game, 1956, 33.9. But the point I was making with Alabama, you know, they're coming to Bud Walton arena. It's going to be a Wednesday night game. I mean, that bodes well for them. I mean, all their losses are on, you know, they're 0-2 on the road. So, it's just one of the things that, you know, you're 8 eight no at home, so they haven't been beat at mm-hmm. home yet, which bodes well. But, yep. I mean, we don't know with the with win and what we were talking about with Aaron. It doesn't matter if Kentucky's 0-12. Beating Kentucky is still, no matter what, it, that's what you want to do. That's like beating Alabama in football. You want – if they're having a losing season, Absolutely. you want to be another one that piles on and beats them too. That's, that's just – that is the prestige yeah. that Kentucky, as bad as you want to admit it or not, nobody's showing up for a Vanderbilt game at 6 o'clock in the morning when the tip-off's 12. Nobody's showing up. I mean, I think LSU may – I would say Auburn now is up there. Auburn, Kentucky, yeah. and maybe LSU. But I'm thinking Auburn and Kentucky right now are the two top games when you're talking about 
the student sections and the fans showing up. And that that's just no matter what the record yeah, is. And, and the Auburn-Arkansas series has been chippy mm-hmm. over the past – like since Muscleman's been there, you know, I, I, you know, they, the old saying is, you know, taking the personality on your, uh, off of, you know, off your coach. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, Pearl. that's what Arkansas is. Yeah. Like they, they talk, man, they're, they're in, emotional. Like I love, I love seeing Muscleman's emotions on the, on the, uh, on the sideline. <laughs> like there's, there's some points where he's just like in the Missouri game where, uh, they tried to pass it out on the on the top of the key in the first half, and whoever passed it from the uh, baseline threw it all the way across the court, and it was a backcourt violation. And I was just waiting for Eric Musselman. As soon as they got in his hands, I was waiting on him to throw the ball up into the uh, scoreboard in Bud Walton Arena. I was waiting on him for, uh, to do that, and he ended up not. But like seeing the seeing he living and dying by every single possession, that is all of us at home, like. Mm-hmm. It's it's great to see that, and and you know I'm waiting to see. I think Arkansas has a chance to beat Alabama at home just because Bud Walton's the is a wild card factor. Mm-hmm. Like I just don't see how this game isn't a one or two possession game. And I know we know Alabama's great; they've been great all season long. But you know when it when Arkansas needs a win, and in historically over the past like ten or fifteen years. Arkansas always seems to figure out a way to beat Alabama at home. And, and you know, it could be different this year, but I, I think Arkansas has a chance to to even up their even up their conference record. And, and, it, and it's not like the sky's falling. They're 12-3. and three. Yeah. Like, we've seen this year after year after year. I think Hog fans need to be calm. We, I, I'm, we're sitting here. We can sit here cool, calm, and collected and have belief in our coach that we have because he has all – he has a history – of like Aaron Torres said, that he has a history going back to Nevada of getting the most out of his players in February and March, and that's when it matters. Well, and I think a lot of it, going back to the Nick Smith Jr. thing, I think if he was playing, it wouldn't be as frantic as it is right now. But he's out, and they're losing, yeah. so they're combining those two things. And they're like, gosh, we need him because we're losing. They, they, they're, yeah. they're attributing, and it's not the case. But that's just as a fan, they're like, man, if he was here, we could have beat – maybe we would have beat right. Auburn. But you know LSU you got Alabama. Auburn, yeah. yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. You know, you got Alabama at home, and then you got to go to Vanderbilt, which Vanderbilt is a weird. That's got to be the weirdest court to play on. You know, the elevated court and <sighs> how wide open it is. I mean, that's just it, it's crazy. And then so you got two road games, then two home games back to back. You got at Vandy, at Missouri. You got Ole Miss at home, and then your rematch with LSU before the uh, SEC Big Twelve Challenge at Baylor, and then you have. A&M, no, that's gonna be rough. South Carolina and then Kentucky. So I mean, you have a manageable schedule. You know, I mean, the, the the schedule coming up for you bodes well for you. You could get that win at Vandy. You need those road wins. They can get that win at Missouri. You at can Missouri. get Ole Miss at home and yeah. then LSU at home. So there's there. So if you say you do say you do lose that game to Alabama, you're one in three in conference. Correct. So then you one two three. Yeah. So, so I mean, even if you come out and you win four out of the next five, you're you're still five and four in conference heading into the Baylor game. So, but we all said we know like you that stat you said sixteen and two in in, in February mm-hmm. and March that Muscleman is. Uh, so we're not 
we're not worried about it. But the the slow starts is that that can't because it don't matter what team you're playing. You cannot get in a hole, and especially when you're supposed to be a top ten team, and getting in these holes, yeah. you're not going to get out of. It. No, and, and that's that's part of the whole like history of Muslim and like and and against Missouri the other day they were down seventeen. Yeah, and this team just doesn't quit. Like I don't have a I don't have a sense that this team knows how to give up at any single point in a game, and that's impressive. And that's that's a trait that you want to have in a team is yeah. Even though you had me down ten in the second half, we're gonna we're gonna come out here and we're gonna continue to punch you, and. In this in this Auburn game last night, I never felt like Arkansas was ever out of it. I did. I think that they missed out on a couple of chances late in the ball game to to maybe switch the momentum and maybe end up winning that game. Yeah, when they were down uh, down to a minute and a half left in the game, and uh, Anthony Black was at the top of the key and nobody was guarding him. But you had the chance to cut the lead to four or five with a minute and a half to go, and he didn't take the shot. You you got to take what the defense gives you. And then they were still down six with about 57 seconds to go, and Ricky Council was was in the corner wide open for a shot, and he didn't take it. Yeah. Like, at some point, though, I mean, I know you're sitting one or two for 16 on the day from three, but you got to figure out if if you can make these shots or not. And they have a history uh, uh, throughout this season. They have shown the ability to hit shots when it matters. Like, and they've got to trust themselves. Like, if they give it to you, take it. And and you know, they, it was that close from being a thirteen point game to actually being an Arkansas victory on Saturday. I don't think it was too disparate. Now, if you put Nick Smith in that situation, you're you're no longer having to go up against a zone. You can go more man. You can face guys that are going to be more of a matchup zone, maybe more man to man. And I think Arkansas can probably have more success with that because of the raw, crazy good talent of Nick Smith, his ability to to weave off of uh, screens and get layups and easy dunks, or maybe come off screens and be able to get his mid range game. He has the ability to hit threes too. Like that's the difference that Arkansas has. Is they have a bunch of guys that can hit jump shots for two. Like you've got Devo, you've got uh, Ricky Council. You you have some guys that can hit sh- shots, but you don't have anybody that can hit them deep, deep on a consistent basis. Maybe outside opinion, if if they can get Nick Smith back healthy and maybe be four and three after the Baylor game in conference, I don't. I'm not going to count that as a as a win right now because it's hard to win against any team in the Big Twelve. But you go into February with hopes of having Nick Smith back. Then yeah. it changes things. Like after in the month of February, you have Texas A&M at home. You're at South Carolina. You're at Kentucky. You're at Mississippi State in the first four games. Like those are four winnable games right now. Yeah, you had to you you break them up between you know two road games and two two home games. Arkansas could possibly make one of those uh, vintage Muscleman runs. And maybe be twelve and four, maybe thirteen and three uh, down the stretch uh, uh, in conference play if things fall right. Well, three three alarming points. I just you, you're looking at the game. Okay, just go ahead. We're breaking it down. Arkansas never led the game. 
Nope. Auburn had 25 points off turnovers to Arkansas' six. Yep. And Auburn had 27 mm-hmm. bench points to Arkansas' eight. So when we're talking about – and plus, Anthony Black was out a, a lot of the first half. Yeah. And so you say you have him a little – you know, for five, six more minutes in that game. I mean, they're, they were only down – uh, 11 at half, 36-25. So, I mean, if even – but the biggest thing was the scoring run. Arkansas's biggest run was only a five-point run. You, you, I mean, you've got to right. have those runs where you're going on an 8-0 run, a 9-0 run. You don't necessarily have to go on a 10-15 point run, but you have to go – if especially if you're going two, three minutes without a basket, I mean, you, mm-hmm. you can't – you can't afford – and it yeah. seems by looking at the stats, negative 13 plus minus, never had the lead – you're, you know, the turnover, points off turnover, 25-6, and then the bench scoring 27-8. It, it's like you had almost your worst offensive game. And, yeah, you got beat 72-59. You know, that's, that can be cleaned up. It's not like this team's horrible and, yeah. and you're looking at what, what, what directions this team need to go. I just think they need to not fall in that hole. And if, if you come out of it, mm-hmm. I mean, and as bad as they are shooting, you're only down by 11. So, if you flip-flop that, I mean, you come in into the half, second half, and go on a run, now it's not an 11-0 run that you need. You come in, maybe go on a little 6-0 run and break it within four or five. You know, it's it's almost like you're breaking down. And this is me and Dudley Dawson were talking today at the softball scrimmage or the softball practice was, you know, just think if they went to four quarters instead of two halves on how much that would change the game of being able to reset things up. And, you know, you have your media timeout, quarter timeout. You still have your media timeouts, and then yep. you have your, your quarters. And and that was just something that interesting that, you know, NCAA men's is the only, the only level that does halves. Yep. So I, I think it was, I'd, I'd love it when it comes to the women's game and the NBA that they go quarters. I just think that'd be something to think about. Like if, if they had a rule change, that would be what I changed. Cause you never know, It'd give you more possessions and it breaks down the game better. Yeah. Um, I did have one thing I wanted to share. Go ahead. Oh, it was about Anthony black and his performance uh, last night is his aggressiveness. Now, I didn't say anything about it earlier. Like, the second half was the Anthony Black show. Mm-hmm. They they needed him to step up, and, and that was a huge thing. And, and, and I think Ricky Counts only had, like, four points. Nobody had more than four points in the second half besides Anthony Black. Yeah. Isn't that crazy to think That's, about? Yeah, it's like, crazy. Jalen Graham had four. Yeah. Like they were so dependent on Anthony Black, and he almost single handedly brought Arkansas back. They got within eight one time. But if you had one more guy out there, Nick Smith, I think it makes things a little bit different. Now, I know you can't depend on that right now just because you know he's out for the remainder of January, but but I don't think there's there should be as much doom and gloom as uh we think because Auburn has won 27 consecutive home games, it is a hard place to play, it's a intimate setting. Less than 10,000 people in the stands, it gets rowdy. You get the kids, the students all sitting around you. It's just it's just a rowdy environment, and it's a hard place to play. And, and you know, it's hard to shoot. Uh, it's hard to shoot free throws when you're having to look at a setting of orange and, and folks just waving things and acting, acting, up, uh, acting like a, 
acting a fool. You know, it's it's hard to stay concentrated and focused. You know, but that's that's just part of it. And I think Arkansas. I think they're still a good team even without Nick Smith. If he doesn't come back, I think they're going to be okay. Just because they have, they already know who their guys are without him. Like they know who yeah. they can depend on. And 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 going forward, like you know, against Alabama, you're you're going to have to be tough. You're going to have to work through the zone because we. They, I think that that's what every team is going to try to employ out there is a zone defense. And until you can prove that you're going to be able to break that, they're going to they're going to keep on. Every single opponent is going to continue to give that to you. Yeah, he had 18 points in the second half. So I mean, and that's the thing. Like if he's yeah. shooting down, if you had another facilitator to help him out when he's down, or say Nick Smith Jr. is yeah. having a down game, you got somebody. But yeah, it we'll we'll see how everything goes, everything plays out. But yeah. you know, it, it's just yeah. it, it's. I wouldn't mind seeing. Sorry, go ahead. No, we're good. Okay, I wouldn't mind seeing Devo play more point guard and maybe let Anthony Black go off the. Uh, maybe spot up a little bit and and do some things. Let him be able to roam the court more. Uh, he was he was great at trying to dribble drive uh, in the second half. He was he had 18 points. He was 10 of 12 from the free throw line. So he was a guy that was hungry and aggressive, and that's what you need to do to beat the zone. And that's what he was doing by himself. Uh, but you don't. I mean, you look at it like you know what you know what Makai Mitchell is going to give you. You know what Kamani Johnson is going to give you down low. You're going to have to figure out a way with Jordan Walsh and Anthony Black, your two, uh, maybe two most talented uh, players on this team. Figure out ways to to maybe get uh, Jordan Walsh more involved in the offense, to uh, away from being a three point shooter, maybe a guy that's more athletic and being able to get to the basket or in the rim than what he is right now. I mean, because I mean, you got Makai and Jordan are averaging seven, seven point seven, seven point five a game. You know, Devo's yeah. seven point nine. So I mean, you got eighteen, twelve, and then you drop down to seven, seven, and seven. Your next three guys. So I mean, you you do have to yeah. have that help because you look at the next two there next to them, they're not playing. And then you got Jalen Graham's yeah. four, Kamani's at two. You know, you've got to have these guys if they're going to come in and they're not producing points. They got to give you rebounds and blocks and and charges. They got to do other things because you can't get. In, you're not going to start outscoring people if you're eighteen, twelve, and then seven. You, it's just yeah. You got to have a turnaround and not get in these holes. But but Jake, was there anything yeah. else you got before we wrap this thing up? Well, you know, I you know we got the national championship game tomorrow so uh the end of college football season's near and so so it's gonna be a long uh, long summer we uh arkansas had a couple of commitments this weekend or three commitments this weekend uh, out of the portal uh maybe it was just two it was at a uh, snacks johnson and and uh and another kid from baylor it was yeah. crazy they're all moving we're gonna become baylor we're gonna come baylor east yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. we almost got almost got their defensive coordinator uh coach Rhodes, but we're going to get his players instead, which uh, they were there very talented too. So, uh, shout out to uh, Coach Woodson and Coach Williams on the defensive side of the ball for the Razorbacks. Uh, they were hired because they can recruit and coach. And right now, they're showing how good of recruiters they are off the bat. Not even not even being able to show what they're going to do at Arkansas. Maybe maybe just the plans. But these guys are these guys are showing how good they are at recruiting. So, bravo to them. And uh, hopefully they can uh, continue, Arkansas can continue closing out this transfer portal uh, uh, session with a couple more big names. 
Yeah, and that's what that's we'll all continue I got. to look forward to on that. Uh, tomorrow night, weekly women's sports report presented by Fordham Lee Distillery. We'll have Coach Shauna Taylor of the women's golf team. Uh, they're going to get things kicking off and actually had uh, one of their players win the uh, Mexican amateur um, event. So we will talk about that tomorrow. Awesome. Uh, when I When I first announced the show, she was the first one that reached out and was very uh, – uh, glad to hear about this podcast that was getting started. So I can't wait to talk to her tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. So if you, you want to head back on over to the show tomorrow night, we'll be in tomorrow at 6 o'clock live. But for Jacob Davis, I'm Porter Hayes. We're going to end it right there and go Hogs. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.